Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Paleo Valley. We know that chronic inflammation is at the root of every single degenerative disease, and so if we're going to thrive in life, we've got to do things to help encourage a healthy inflammation response in our body. One of the best ways we can do that is take herbs that help support inflammation and keep inflammation under control. The most well-studied herb for doing that is turmeric. Turmeric inhibits the inflammatory nuclear factor kappa-beta and STAT3 pathways. These are genetic pathways that amplify inflammation in our body. And by inhibiting these, turmeric really helps support good blood flow, joint health, brain function, our ability to think sharply and quickly and have good memory, mood, and just an overall good mindset. Now, when it comes to taking turmeric, you know, certainly we can be putting it on our, our food, you know, and taking food-based uh, forms of turmeric, right? A lot of people will use the most well-studied compound, which is curcumin. However, what we know is that whole food-based turmeric has nearly 300 other beneficial components than just curcumin alone. And so again, curcumin is extremely powerful. But the research shows that taking a whole food-based turmeric complex can be much more beneficial. Now, the problem with turmeric is that it notoriously has low bioavailability on its own, and the body has a hard time absorbing it. It really needs a good soluble fat to absorb it. And that's why Paleo Valley, with their turmeric complex, they added coconut oil. I mean, you think about like a like a curry with turmeric and coconut oil, and it's got different warming herbs, black pepper. You know, it's a, a, a popular Indian dish, the curry. That's really what allows it to absorb the best, the fat, the warming herbs. And that's what Paleo Valley did when they created their turmeric complex. They added coconut oil, they added black pepper, and that combination has been shown to increase the absorption of turmeric by 2,000%. On top of that, they also added in ginger, rosemary, and cloves, which are herbs that really support brain, brain function. They support healthy inflammation, immune health, good digestion, and blood sugar stability. So you get all of that in the Paleo Valley Turmeric Complex. I'm a huge advocate of this supplement. I take it on a regular basis. And you can take it now as well and get a special discount. In fact, go to paleovalley.com forward slash drjockers. And use the coupon code JOCKERS, just my last name, JOCKERS at checkout. That will save you 15% off your order. So guys, if you want to keep inflammation under control and really thrive in life, try out the Paleo Valley Turmeric Complex today. Again, use the coupon code JOCKERS at checkout to save 15%. Well, hey guys, in this podcast, I'm actually being interviewed by my friend Lindsay Elmore for her summit on engineering the gut microbiome. And we talk all about the top advanced nutrition strategies to heal a leaky gut. We know so many people are dealing with leaky gut and gut dysbiosis, and it's really at the root of chronic inflammatory conditions and autoimmune disease. And so I go through a, a lot of the science of what's happening in the gut 
and really some some great strategies that you can apply to get healing, to, to start to heal your leaky gut, to start to create balance in your microbiome, reduce inflammation in your body, get your life, your health, and your energy back. You guys are going to love this. And if you know anybody that's dealing with a chronic inflammatory condition or autoimmune condition or gut issues, please share this podcast with them. It can literally change and save their lives. And if you haven't left us a five-star review, now is the time to do that. Just go to Apple iTunes, scroll to the bottom, leave us a review. That actually helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a part of this community. And let's go into the show. Welcome back to the Engineering Your Microbiome Summit. I am your host, Dr. Lindsay Elmore. And in this interview, we are going to be talking about some real basics and then taking it to the next level about what is leaky gut? How does it impact our body? How can intermittent fasting change and engineer our microbiome closer towards health? My guest today is Dr. David Jockers, and he is a doctor of natural medicine and runs one of the most popular natural health websites over at drjockers.com, which has gotten more than 1 million monthly visitors. And his work has been seen on popular media, such as the Dr. Oz Show and Hallmark Home and Family. Dr. Jockers is the author of the best-selling book, The Keto Metabolic Breakthrough by Victory Belt Publishing and The Fasting Transformation. He is a world-renowned expert in the area of ketosis, fasting, inflammation, and functional nutrition, and he is the host of the Dr. Jockers Functional Nutrition Podcast. He lives in Canton, Georgia with his wife, Angel, and his boys, David and Joshua, and his daughters, Joyful and Shine. Thank you so much, Dr. Jockers, for coming in and being a guest on the Engineering Your Microbiome Summit. Thanks, Lindsay. It's, a, it's an honor, and uh, it's, always, uh, it's always great to be able to connect with you. Oh, yes. I always appreciate all of your contributions. And so let's dive just straight in. What is the gut microbiome? Yeah, the gut microbiome is basically all of these living microorganisms within our gut lining. So our gut lining, even though it's inside of our body, our gut is kind of like this large tube that's almost like an external environment in a sense that it's it's kind of like our skin. Our skin is part of our body, but it's also a barrier that protects our bloodstream. It's kind of the same with our gut. And inside of our gut, we've got bacteria, tons and tons of bacteria, parasites. We've got viruses. We've got fungus, right? Different types of yeast. Some of them very beneficial and some of them non-beneficial, right? And we should have kind of a good balance there of progenic or life-giving microorganisms. And then, you know, we're always gonna have some pathogenic or disease-causing microorganisms, but when we keep those things under control, we have a really healthy ecosystem. And then we also have a lining in that barrier in the, in the intestines. And it is really one of the main interfaces of our immune system. It's called our... Uh, gut-associated lymphoid tissue, our GALT. And that's actually where 70% of our immune cells are right there protecting us in that barrier. So as food goes through these microorganisms, they really help to break it down, allow us to absorb nutrients, allow us to um, get rid of toxins. And we're also interfacing again with the environment, the external environment. We're helping reduce pathogens. And this is all happening inside of our gut. And researchers have been looking at the microbiome now for over 20 years. 
And they found, you know, a lot of correlation between the makeup of the microbiome and our risk of chronic disease, our overall quality of life. So it's a really important thing to be looking at. And I'm glad you're putting on the summit. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I think that we we're just at the very beginning stages of beginning to understand just how critical the microbiome is. And I hope that, you know, we're early on in the summit right now, but as we go through, I hope that people really understand that the microbiome, when it is healthy, the entire body is healthy. And when it is sick, the entire body is sick. And so I'd like to dive in and talk about leaky gut. So what happens when all of this barrier breaks down? Yeah. So when we think about our skin, we have actually like, I think we have somewhere around 10 to 20 layers of cells that protect our skin. So when our skin is damaged in certain areas, and when you have like a callus built up, you actually build up even more skin cells. So those are even thicker areas that protect us from any sort of uh, pathogens and toxins from our external environment getting into our bloodstream. Our body wants to do everything it can to protect the bloodstream because we know that our ancestors, the majority of our ancestors, when they died, they died from uh, systemic infections. That means pathogens, bacteria, for example, that would get into the bloodstream, spread throughout the body, get into the brain, cause meningitis, get into the lungs, cause pneumonia, things like that. Even when people died you know, in a battle or if they got, you know, hit by a spear or whatever it was, they usually didn't die from the flesh wound itself. They died oftentimes from the infection that came about from it. So we have these different barriers like our skin. Now in our gut, the way that our gut was designed is throughout the history of mankind, we really didn't have much access for food. So when we did eat, we needed to absorb as much of the nutrients as possible. So our skin is, or I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, our skin is very well protected. Whereas our gut lining is only one cell wall. And the reason why it's only one cell that's, co that's connected, all the cells are connected through these tight junctions. And the reason why that is, is it needs to be semi-permeable, meaning that the important thing there is that nutrients get through the, that cellular barrier and get into the bloodstream. Now, in our society today, it's very different. We have you know, access to food all day long. We're eating three meals a day easily, if not a lot more. And so it's very easy for us to get the nutrients as long as we're consuming nutrient dense foods. The issue is the, the fact that we're constantly eating, we're putting mechanical stress on that gut lining and that gut lining becomes damaged. And when it does, when it becomes damaged, now large proteins, bacteria, yeast, different microorganisms can seep into the bloodstream and now they get into the blood and now the body says, okay, this is a risk for us, right? It turns on the alarm because it says, wow, there's large abnormal proteins in the bloodstream. There's bacteria in the bloodstream. This is a risk for us. So we need to turn up inflammation and inflammation is really how our body is adapted to make sure that infections don't kill us, right? When you have a good inflammatory process, the, the, the likelihood of a bacteria from your gut getting in and actually causing pneumonia and killing you is extremely unlikely, right? However, so your body will, 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 will you know, attenuate the, the pathogen, right? It'll get that under control. The issue is you've also, you've ramped up this inflammatory process and now there's going to be some collateral damage. Other systems of your body are going to start to break down. Now, when it comes to the gut lining, the good thing is, so there's good news and bad news, right? The, there, there are a couple of good things. The good thing is it's very easy if we have for eating nutrient dense foods, we can absorb the nutrients as long as our digestive system is functioning well, right? 
And then also the gut lining itself turns itself over every three to five days, meaning that these intestinal cells have a very short lifespan. And that's because they're under a lot of mechanical stress. They're taking a lot of oxidative stress and damage, and they're becoming dysfunctional very quickly, but we're recreating them and we're creating new young, you know, stress resilient cells every few days. And so if we do have damage in the gut microbiome or in the, in the gut lining, it can heal itself pretty quickly. We just need to create an environment that allows it to heal. And that's what most people don't realize. They are eating foods that damage their gut lining, right? They're eating inflammatory foods. They're eating too much. They're eating on the go. They're stressed. So they're not producing enough stomach acid, bile, and digestive enzymes in order to break down that food effectively. So now you get these large undigested food particles in the, in the digestive system, which cause major stress on that gut lining and damage it. And then what happens a few hours later, they eat another meal. So instead of giving it time to heal, right, just like we would with a sprained ankle, right? If you sprain your ankle, you're probably not going to go out and run and jump on it, right? You're going to give it rest. And that just because that's something that we innately know. Well, it's kind of the same thing with our gut. When we really damage our gut, we need to give it rest and allow it to do the process of healing and repairing itself. So now, now we have stress resilient intestinal cells that um, are gonna allow for the right amount of nutrients to get through without the pathogens to seep across. I just wanna interrupt this podcast to tell you how important your immune system is and how it protects you from viruses, bacteria, parasites, and other pathogens. You see, your body was created to overcome the challenges from the environment. However, you must be an active participant and work to make your body stronger and more resilient to stress. And that is why I created our 10-in-1 Immunocharge formula because it's designed to help you do that. As I was studying the immune system, I found that there are critical nutrients that really support your body and give you more immune modulating power. These include things like quercetin, resveratrol, vitamin D, vitamin A, selenium, zinc, vitamin C, N-acetylcysteine, vitamin K2, and magnesium. And I used to supplement with all of these. I was taking 14 different capsules to get all these critical nutrients. And that is why I designed a product called Immunocharge. I actually put all of these nutrients in their clinical dosages that actually work in your body that are research-based. And all you have to do is take four capsules a day. So I take two capsules twice a day to help strengthen my immune function, to help keep inflammation under control. And so this really works and it really helps. It's called Immunocharge. You can actually get 30% off by going to store.drjockers.com forward slash products forward slash Immunocharge, I-M-M-U-N-O-C-H-A-R-G-E and use the coupon code Immune30 at checkout to save 30% off on Immunocharge. Whatever you do, you've got to take, you got to do everything you can to keep your immune system as strong and healthy as possible so you can be resilient to the different environmental stressors you face. Immunocharge is there to help you with that. Again, go to store.drjockers.com forward slash products forward slash Immunocharge. Use the coupon code Immune30 at checkout to save 30% off today. Okay. All right. So I love what you said and just summed it up so brilliantly. Inflammation prevents us from dying from infection. Yeah. That is so true. I, I mean, inflammation has a very critical role in our body. 
We just don't need it 24 hours a day, every single day. Now, you are a, a, an expert in the, the ways that intermittent fasting impacts our body. So talk to us about how intermittent fasting can tone and really trim down our microbiome. For sure. And intermittent fasting does a number of different things. But when we look at the gut, most people think about intermittent fasting. They think about metabolic health, weight loss, and there's some great benefits there, right? But number one thing it does is it reduces mechanical stress on that gut lining, right? And so if we just take the stress off that gut lining, that's like if we sprain an ankle, giving it some time to heal. Now it takes longer for our body to heal damaged cartilage, right? That takes a long time because we don't have very good blood flow. There's a lot of tissues. There's a lot of, there's a lot of intense processes to heal uh, damaged cartilage. However, the gut lining, our body can heal it actually pretty quickly. Like I said, those intestinal cells are turning over every three to five days. And so what intermittent fasting allows us to do is reduce the amount of mechanical stress going through there and give the body time to start to heal and repair that, that intestinal lining. On top of that, it reduces overall inflammation in the system. One of the reasons is because we're not bringing food in that's you know, that's causing proteins to drive up into the bloodstream because of leaky gut and drive up inflammation in the body, right? Every time we eat a meal, when we have leaky gut, proteins are getting in different, different compounds from the food. And it's also bringing more bacteria. It's like a carrier. Uh, the bacteria will hitch a ride, for example, on different fats that are undigested in the intestines. And that will just drive up inflammation throughout the whole body. So just by doing that, we're reducing inflammation. The really interesting thing is how it actually impacts the gut microbiome. So we have primary feeders in the gut microbiome and we have secondary feeders. The primary feeders live kind of right on the top of that, um, the mucosal membrane. So right at the top of our intestinal lining. So we have that one cell wall, and then we have this, this kind of layer of mucosa, mucus. And that mucosal layer is where our, the immune component of our gut is. That's where secretory IgA is and a whole bunch of, of other different compounds that help protect the gut lining. And the, the healthier your mucosa, the healthier your gut lining, right? It's kind of like the first line of defense before things get into uh, and cross through that gut lining. And so we have bacteria that live in deep within that gut mucosa. And then we have bacteria that live kind of on the top of it. The ones on top of it, we call the primary feeders, right? And the primary feeders, they tend to get, you know, most of the, the fibers and the polyphenols and the, the different things that, were, that are coming into our digestive system, they're consuming them. And then the leftovers will drop down into the secondary feeders. Now, the good thing about the secondary feeders is they can also eat the gut mucosa itself, right? And so the, the, the trick here is we actually need really good balance between the primary feeders and the secondary feeders. If we're eating every few hours, we're actually going to cause an overgrowth of primary feeders and an undergrowth of secondary feeders. The secondary feeders really thrive when we go through periods of time without food. One of the main secondary feeders is called Ackermansia mucinophilia. Mucinophilia means mucus loving. And that, that means it loves to eat the mucus. Now, the interesting thing is you would think if the mucus lining is so important, why do we want a bacteria that's going to eat it? But actually, this is kind of like the hormetic principle of like a little bit of stress actually makes us stronger. So when acromansia starts to eat the mucus lining, it actually stimulates the goblet cells right there in the intestinal lining to actually produce more 
mucus, right? So a hardier, stronger, thicker mucus. And acromansia also will break down polyphenols, right? So if we don't have an overgrowth of primary feeders, when we do eat, we're going to have some of these polyphenols drop down into the mucosa. Acromansia will eat those. It will produce something called urolithins. Urolithins are these really interesting compounds that uh, actually go into the intestinal cells and they stimulate the mitochondria in the intestinal cells. And, and they'll stimulate the cell itself to actually produce more mitochondria to break down dysfunctional mitochondria and create new, healthier, uh, more stress resilient mitochondria. And the mitochondria within our cells are what produce all the energy. The healthier the mitochondria within your cells, the healthier your cell. And, and we're talking about the intestinal lining cells. Those are some of the most important cells in the body. We want them to be extremely stress resilient. So these urolithins are kind of like fuel to create really strong, really robust uh, intestinal mitochondria, intestinal cell mitochondria. So now you get these really stress resilient mitochondria and that's what happens there. Now there's some foods also that, you know, help, help this pomegranate, for example, is really high uh, raspberries as well in elagic acid and elagic acid, acromansia will turn that into uh, urolithins as well, right? But we're also gonna produce this when we're fasting. And so intermittent fasting has this great effect of trimming down those primary feeders and then improving and optimizing the secondary feeders. A great analogy I like to use for this is that I have an apple tree and a blueberry tree in my yard. And so every year the apple tree, it grows really fast. If it overgrows, we don't get any sun on the blueberry bush. And so now we don't get blueberries. So we actually have to go in and trim the hedges and trim down the apple tree, which is actually causing harm to the apple tree. You think that's not good, but the apple tree is so resilient. It's getting so much sun and nutrients. It's just going to grow anyways, and it's going to thrive. Now that allows an opening for the blueberry bush to get the sun, to get the nutrients it needs. So it's able to thrive, right? And this is kind of what we need to do with the ecosystem in our gut is give ourselves time between meals, right? Or at least a, a large period of time, like 14, 16, maybe even 18 hours uh, between our last meal, right? The day before, and then our first meal the next day. And that really gives us time to trim down some of those primary feeders to allow the secondary feeders to really grow and optimize, uh, you know, the deep part of the gut mucosa. So if we're taking big, long breaks um, in between um, our meals, if somebody's never done that before, like going 18 hours may seem like a hard pass for them. So if somebody listening has never done any kind of extended fast, where do they start? Yeah, it's a great question. The first place to start is 12 hours overnight. So if you finish dinner at 7 p.m., don't eat anything with calories until 7 a.m. You can drink herbal tea, you can drink water, you can drink black coffee if you want, but don't consume anything with calories until at least 7 a.m., the next day. And I always recommend starting your morning and drink at least 16 ounces of water before you even think about food. And what that will do is that will actually fill your stomach. Your stomach now will start to stretch and it will stimulate the stretch receptors, which reduce the amount of ghrelin. And ghrelin is in your stomach when your stomach is, doesn't have, you know, is not stretched. There's nothing in it ghrelin will be released and ghrelin is your hunger hormone. It goes up to your hypothalamus and your brain tells your brain, I'm hungry, I need to eat food. So 
you'll actually reduce, you'll inhibit the ghrelin production by hydrating your body well, putting something in your stomach. And when that's, of course, that's water. Um, and that will reduce hunger. And oftentimes people notice that they drink that amount of water, they really aren't hungry for several hours later. And I'll recommend as you get better, as you get better at hydrating your body, oftentimes you'll actually want more hydration. I find that a lot of people say after about a week or two of doing the 16 ounces, they actually, it's very easy to do it. At first it's hard, then it's easier. And then it's like, they'll drink 32 or even 48 ounces of water before they even think about eating food. And so that easily allows you to push your fast to 14 maybe 16, maybe even 18 hours without even feeling hungry. So this is a, a gradual process, just like exercise. You know, you don't want to go in and, uh, you know, start lifting heavy weights if you've never um, lifted weights before, right? You want to go in gradually, start building the muscle memory, right? And then allow your neurological system to catch up, your muscular system to start to adapt. And then pretty soon you start to know these exercises, you start to have the muscle memory, and now you can start challenging yourself at a, at a higher and a deeper level and getting better benefits. Kind of the same with fasting. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to let you know that if you were a coffee drinker, I have some critical information you need to know. You see, coffee is the number one source of antioxidants people are consuming all around the world. It's rich in chlorogenic and caffeic acid, which are polyphenols that stabilize your blood sugar, support gut health and improve your brain. And they also stimulate autophagy and deep cellular healing. So coffee has many amazing health benefits, but there's a dark side to coffee. It often carries mold, dangerous mycotoxins, and is heavily sprayed with pesticides that lead to chronic disease. It's also acidic, causing stomach issues, and many have to stop drinking coffee as they get older because it irritates their stomach lining. That's why I started drinking Life Boost Coffee. I wanted something that had all the health benefits with none of the mold and chemicals found in regular coffee. Plus, it's a shade-grown coffee, which is naturally a low-acid coffee that doesn't hurt my stomach. And they have hundreds of testimonials of people who couldn't stomach traditional coffee who can now enjoy coffee on a daily basis without any digestive discomfort. They also third-party test for 450-plus toxins, including mycotoxins, molds, heavy metals, pesticides, and even glyphosate, just to make sure it's the cleanest, healthiest cup they can provide to their customers. I also really like these guys because they build schools for their farmers' children near the coffee farms where they harvest their, their coffee beans. And their corporate sponsors are the Rainforest Trust to prevent deforestation and protect wildlife. They really care about the environment. And because you're listening to my podcast right now, you can get 50% off your first order by going to www.lifeboostdeal.com. That's lifeboostdeal.com. They are, again, shade-grown, low-acid, clean and free of toxins, and they taste amazing. Just go to lifeboostdeal.com to get 50% off now. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we've hit two really big points here. We're going to reduce the mechanical stress on the gut using um, intermittent fasting and then we're also going to feed our gut good foods like pomegranate, like raspberry. Um, and, and we've also talked about, I, I love how you explained the trimming and the optimizing and comparing it to the apple tree and the blueberry bush. What else can we do to seal back the gut when it has become leaky? Yeah, for sure. Well, 
certainly, obviously, the intermittent fasting component is huge. Now, when we do eat, we want to make sure that we're optimizing our digestion. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to make sure when we're eating food that we're in a relaxed state. When we take a few deep breaths, when we're in a relaxed state, we turn on our parasympathetic nervous system. That's a part of our nervous system that is associated with resting, with healing, and with digesting food. Digestion is a very energy demanding process. The idea of fast food, right? And of course, you know, most fast food in our society, when we think about that, that term, we think of very unhealthy foods, but also just the, even the process of eating really fast, right? And on the go, that's really unhealthy, even if you're eating healthy foods. And so we want to be in a relaxed state. And the way that you can do that is you may have just finished working. You may have had, a, you know, hopefully not an argument with a family member or yelled at your children or something like that. Something stressful may have happened. But what you want to do is take a few moments, take some deep breaths, right? The deep breathing will actually tell your body, okay, I'm not in a survival period. There's not a tiger chasing me. I'm in a place where I can be relaxed. Now I can divert my energy to healing, repairing, and digesting. We want to take some moments to smell our food, right? Your food ideally should be very aromatic. You should have great, uh, a great odor that helps stimulate the production of digestive juices. And the way you know that is you start to salivate. It's a positive sign. It's a sign of parasympathetic activation. You can drink some water with some apple cider vinegar. Apple cider vinegar has acetic acid, which is a postbiotic, which helps to strengthen the gut microbiome. And it also helps to activate the production of stomach acid, bile, and digestive enzymes. Now at rest, our stomach acid is roughly around three to 3.5 on the pH scale, which is actually very acidic, like neutral is 7.0. That's, you know, your typical water is neutral. It's a very strong acid, even at rest, but to really be able to break down protein, right? And that may be the most important macronutrient that we consume. It's really, you know, very much associated with good immune function, right? It, it, oftentimes in our protein sources, we have things like zinc and stuff like that. We need to get our pH, the stomach pH down to about 1.5 to 2.2, right? So it's a big jump, right? I know you're, you're, you've studied pharmacology and chemistry, so you know this very well. That's a big jump to get that acidity there. That's going to take some energy and some intentionality of your body. And so something like apple cider vinegar before a meal can really help with that process. Um, but we want to get that acid level down. And then when we do... Now we eat our food, we eat our meal, and now that acid actually goes into the small intestine and it triggers receptors in the small intestine that activate bile because our small intestine actually needs an alkaline environment. So this strong acid going into the small intestine is going to cause problems in the small intestine. So the body has a built-in mechanism where when it senses this strong acid, it dumps a whole bunch of bile. And we know bile helps emulsify the fats. On top of that, it's also very antimicrobial. It helps prevent against bacterial overgrowth. It's the same with the, the acid. The acid, the strong acid kills uh, bacteria that can't, can't survive well in acid. And then the bile kills the acid-loving bacteria in the small intestine to keep the microbiome under control and optimized. Our pancreas also secretes bicarbonate to create this sort of alkaline environment. And along with the bicarbonate, becomes the digestive enzymes. So when this is done properly, we get this perfectly orchestrated process that allows us to digest the food effectively, break it down into small nutrients that we're able to absorb 
and and take in and minimize any sort of you know stress on our gut. And uh, so really taking some time to, to deep breathe. I, you know, my family, we pray before our meal. Prayer puts us in a place of gratitude, right? And that's one of the greatest places you can be as you're consuming food because you're not stressed. When you're grateful, you're happy, you're thankful, right? You're not, you have less stress and you're, you're priming your system for better digestion. Another key tip is you can take like some ginger root. Now, ginger root is real pungent. You could also do ginger tea, right? And drink that before a meal. Uh, ginger root is very pungent, so it's got a very strong uh, taste to it, right? But you can uh, just chew on that. And actually chewing that will activate your vagus nerve, which is your main nerve associated with parasympathetic activity, which will now turn up that digestive juice production in your system. So that's a great thing to do before a meal. I also recommend actually eating your protein foods first. And this is, con- you know, a lot of people say eat your salad, right? Like eat you know, your, your, your typical appetizers are, are tend to be lighter, right? Like salads and things like that, but really you don't need as much stomach acid to metabolize salad. You need your stomach acid for your steak, for your, your proteins. Right. And so you, you, you know, just think about gravity as your stomach is producing acid. Most of that is staying towards the bottom of the stomach. So you want your protein foods going in first so they can sit in, you know, the concentrated part of the acid. And then you can, you know, on the top, eat your vegetables, right? So they're kind of riding more on the top and you're going to have less acid reflux with that less indigestion. You're going to notice that you're just able to digest that food more effectively. In some cases, people need supplemental BTNHCL, especially as they're getting older, if they've, you know, if they're dealing with autoimmune conditions, things like that. Sometimes we need to supplement the amount of stomach acid to get it just right. But when we hit this and we get it just right, it makes a huge difference in somebody's life, their inflammation levels, um, really makes a big difference. Also, probiotics can be a really helpful supplement. A lot of people have tried, um, you know, different, there's different families of, supp- of probiotics. Uh, you know, there's your lactobacillus and, and bifidobacterium blends. There's your Saccharomyces boulardii, and there's also your soil-based bacteria. I noticed that most people do well with kind of like a combination of all three of those, although there are some people that are very sensitive. If, if that's you, if you notice you've been sensitive in the past, you could try them individually, right? Just try maybe a Saccharomyces boulardii if you've never tried it, which is a healthy, beneficial yeast. And see, a lot of people notice that is a game changer for them. You could just try if you've tried you know, the bifidobacterium lactobacillus blends in the past, which are probably the most common ones out there on the market, then maybe try a soil-based bacterial strain, which is the bacillus family. You could try that. So you could try them individually and see which one you feel the best with. You could try them in combination. If you have a bad response to a probiotic, look at what strains are in there, right? And see if you can find one without those strains or perhaps just kind of like, like, like a food elimination diet, eliminating one of those strains uh, you may notice a big difference with that. Digestive enzymes can also be very, very supportive here. And I was talking about apple cider vinegar, how the acetic acid is a postbiotic. You want to improve your postbiotics. And so you do that by eating good, healthy foods, right? So um, for some people, they do really well on a high plant fiber diet. If that's you, you probably already know. You're probably following more of a plant-centric diet and you feel great, okay? If you're following a plant-centric diet and you don't feel good, guess what? There's a lot of people that unfortunately don't do well with a lot of fiber. Even though we hear 
Fiber is amazing. Eat more fiber. That's not a true across the board. It's like a bell curve. There's about, you know, most people are going to do well with, you know, a, a good balanced amount of fiber. Some people do really well with little to no fiber, particularly like FOD and, and little to no FOD maps, which are these fermentable oligo, uh, what is it, oligo disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polysaccharides. So they take out a lot of healthy foods, right? Or at least reduce a lot of these healthier foods, things like onions and garlic and broccoli and asparagus and stuff like that. And they eat more of an animal centric diet and they thrive. All of a sudden their inflammation goes down, their gut starts healing, right? And then other people, they start to try to go more animal centric and they don't feel as good, right? They, they may need a little bit more plant fibers, a little bit more of these higher FODMAP foods. So you kind of have to experiment, right? First thing is eliminate processed foods, sugars, uh, processed vegetable oils, things like that. Go with a real food diet and then experiment with the amount of animal foods, trying to get grass-fed organic animal products and fibers, plant-based fibers, trying to get really good, healthy sources, um, you know, which would be like your cruciferous vegetables, your onions, your garlic. Those are actually healthy foods, but see how you do. For you, you may need to reduce those. You may need more of those, right? And so that's kind of where the experimentation process goes in as you work to personalize your diet. And mm -hmm. so I think that's the key. Absolutely. Well, I could talk to you all afternoon. We have even run out of time to do our rapid fire questions, but listeners, viewers, if you want to know more about Dr. Jocker's work, head to www.drjockers.net. And he is offering a fasting transformation book that you can get at drjockers.net slash fasting dash transformation. Dr. David Jockers, it is a joy as always to get to speak with you again. Thank you for coming in and being a guest on the Engineering Your Microbiome Summit. Thanks again, Lindsay. I appreciate it. Thanks for all the great work you're doing. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.